You know, actually, on the last special, we listed all these ways for people to tell if they were a redneck or not. And then I come to Texas, and people are going, you left a bunch of them out. <laughs> so we'll, we'll do round two for you here. See, see how many people qualify. Uh, what about... Uh, if you've been on television more than five times describing what the tornado sounded like, <laughs> you might be a redneck. If you've ever cut your grass and found a car, <laughs> you might be a redneck. If your dad walks you to school because you're in the same grade, <laughs> you might be a redneck. If every day somebody comes to your door mistakenly thinking you're having a yard sale, <laughs> you might be a redneck. If you've ever financed a tattoo, <laughs> three more payments and this long gun is mine, <laughs> you might be a redneck. If you've ever made change in the offering plate, <laughs> guilty. If you go to the family reunion to meet women, you might be a redneck. I think we offended somebody out here. That ain't funny, is it, sis? And last but not least, if you see a sign that says, say no to crack, and it reminds you to pull your jeans up. You might just be a redneck. Hey, I want to say right now, I didn't approve that video. For a lot of reasons. You know, uh, I, I got to be confessional because I, my parents, both of them grew up in Owen County. Anybody here from Owen County? No one will admit it. Thank you. That's kind of where I got my start way back when. And, uh, and this is going to explain a lot. And it's kind of, I don't know that I've ever mentioned this in public before, but when you're in Owen County, the population base is minimal. Not a lot of people. And uh, practically everybody in Owen County is related. And several years into my life, my parents admitted to me they were six cousins. And since then, things have not quite been right with me. <laughs> You'll figure that out today if you haven't already. Uh, we're talking about rednecks, and all of us have a little bit of that in us. Some of us need a little more of that in us. And the Scripture has some rednecks in it. And we're going to talk about a guy who probably... Uh, along with Jesus, would be one of the central characters of the early parts of the New Testament or the Gospels. Matter of fact, all the Gospels sort of start out with a mention of this guy. He's Jesus' cousin. His name is John the Baptist. And if you know anything at all about John the Baptist, you know that he was kind of a backwoodsman, kind of a not politically correct guy. He lived out in, in the woods. Now, when we say woods, in the, in the Judean wilderness, it's actually a desert. He lived out in the desert. He preached out in the desert. People wanted to hear him, 
They came to where he was. He didn't clean up for anybody. He didn't clean up his message for anybody. He yelled and he screamed and he just said it like it is. We're going to come to understand what John's uh, person, persona, and what his message mean to our lives today. Let's just do a little scripture reading right here and, and get into the, the message. Mark chapter 1, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger, this is John, before your face, who will prepare your way before you. John was the forerunner. He was, he was the guy who came to tell everybody that the Messiah was on the way. I believe God understood that there would be folks who wouldn't get it unless he sent somebody who had a very loud, clear message. And so that's John the Baptist. Verse 3, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And all the land of Judah, those from Jerusalem, went out to him. That's a good crowd right there, isn't it? They were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit of God. Wow. What a character, right? Can you just get in your mind's eye a picture of John the Baptist? Like, wow, all woolly and hairy and wearing really kind of wild clothes. I mean, he was... It's not like it says camel's hair. Did you see that? I used to have a camel's hair jacket back where they were in style. That's not what he was wearing. He was actually wearing the skin of a camel. He said he's hairy. He said he'd eat crazy stuff. What did it say? Wild locust or honey and wild locust. Or no, the other way, wild honey, as opposed to that in a bottle, I guess. I mean, this guy was a redneck. He lived in the woods. He lived in the wilderness, the desert. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the wilderness this morning. There, there comes a time in our life where all of us need a visit to the wilderness, because what happens in the wilderness is you get a clear vision, a clear vision about who you are as a person, about who you are uh, as God's child emerges, is formed in the wilderness. John the Baptist had to get alone. He had to get out in the middle of nowhere. He had to find a place where God could speak to him. And, and, and I would submit to you today that there's a very good chance that many of you, as you sit in this place today, have spent some time in the wilderness, or maybe you're there now. Maybe there's some junk in your life that is just wearing you out. Maybe there's some burdens in your life that are just causing life to be difficult. And you're in the wilderness. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're in the troubled spot 
of life. Maybe it's a relationship issue. You can't get along with your spouse or they won't be good to you or you won't be good to them. Your kids are rebellious. You don't like your mother-in-law. I could go on and on and on. But maybe there's some relationship problems. Maybe it's a sin problem. Maybe there's something that looms large in your life that you can't get rid of. And as you sit here today, it's hard for you to worship because you keep thinking about how the devil has you in his grips and, and you're in the wilderness. Maybe it's an addiction problem, uh, something that, that you can't quit, that you know you've got to quit or it's going to kill you. And I don't know what your burden is today, but many of us are in the wilderness of life. We're struggling in life. And, and if that's you today, God has you here for a very special reason. Because he wants you to know that he's in the wilderness. He wants you to know that when you're at your lowest, he's closest. John the Baptist had to go to the wilderness before he could be used of God, before he could be changed, before his burdens could be lifted, and he emerged from the wilderness, like I hope you will emerge, with a mission from God, with, with, with something that has literally changed your life. John the Baptist was kind of loud, wasn't he? There's a voice crying in the wilderness. He was bold because he knew exactly what God wanted him to say. You see that in the scripture? John preached the same sermon every time. Now, if I preached the same sermon every time, how many weeks would you come? Don't lie. One. Dan, amen. One's enough. Maybe none's enough after you hear this message, right? Uh, he, he said, repent and be baptized. You've got trouble in your life. You've got sin in your life. If you want to see God, if you want to please God, you're going to repent. You're going to confess your sins. You're going to get, get them out of your life. Allow God to get them out of your life, and you're going to be baptized. That's all we know that he said. And people, because of the power of that message, because of his boldness, because of, uh, of John saying exactly what God told him to say, Bible says they came from everywhere dignified city people from Jerusalem to hear what he had to say. Now, I want you to know that you are a part of a church that has a clear vision. Our leadership spent a lot of time thinking, praying, developing that vision. I want you to know when you come to this church that there are some things that we stand for, there are some things that we believe God has given us to do has, that are driving our ministry here. There are three words. You see them on the screen right now. We talk about it all the time. They're plastered on a lot of the walls here. The word seek. We as Burlington Baptist Church people, as believers, are going to seek the face of God. We're not going to do anything that we don't pray about first. We're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to implement any strategies that we don't believe have come any place else from seeking God's face. And then we're going to seek other people. How long has it been since you've told somebody about Jesus? How long has it been since you invited a neighbor to church? How long has it been since you have done what someone did for you and got them to a place where they could meet Jesus? We're about seeking people. Say the word seek with me. Seek. And then we're studiers. 
when you come to hear a message here, it better be from the Word of God or you need to get rid of me. Because we're learning what God has said to us in His Word. We're being developed in our faith, not by just some whim, but by the Word of God. We, we, everything we do, we make sure it's scriptural. We have Bible study classes, connection groups. You can be here on a Sunday morning. You can be here on a Tuesday night. Heck, you can stop by a restaurant or two at 7 and find folks from Burlington Baptist Church sharing, facilitating, teaching the Word of God. And then we serve. We believe God has blessed our church so we can use what He's given us to bless others. We believe that people who are in need will continue to be in need and will never know how much Jesus loves them unless we serve them. And so we think of a hundred thousand different ways to serve, and we try to find a place where everyone feels comfortable. But if you're not serving people, you're not being the person Jesus called you to be. So these are the foundational things that drive the ministry of our church. It's our vision. It's who we are. And that's all we do. And, I, and we believe if we do these three things, that we're going to make a great big difference for Christ in this place. We've also kind of got a slogan. Now, maybe you've forgotten this slogan. It's, it's really kind of who we are. And, and you'll see this. Burlington Baptist Church is a place where everyone's welcome. You know that's true because you got in the door, right? Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Starts here. In fact, I'm the poster child sometimes. Nobody's perfect. If you're perfect, get out of here. You're going to ruin our record. And anything's possible. You believe that? Church, say amen. It's a redneck message. You can clap, or I'll clap. We're going to stop right here. I know you're taking notes, and I know you're here, and you're supposed to be quiet, prim, and proper, but not today. I want you to watch carefully, listen carefully, and get with the Spirit. Wake up, in other words, all right? You can sleep during the Bengals game. So we have this clear vision from God about what we're going to do. And John the Baptist emerged with that vision, and here's what happens. Many, many people go to the wilderness, and they waste their opportunity. You don't get a word from God. You try to fix it yourself. You try to plan it yourself. The wilderness is an appointed, uh, anointed appointment. I don't ever want to go to the wilderness. But sometimes that's where God gets our attention, speaks the loudest. Distractions disappear in the wilderness. There's no cable TV in the wilderness. There's no ESPN in the wilderness. There's no soap operas in the wilderness. It's just you and God. Been a long time since there's been nothing to distract you from his voice. Been a long time 
since you were quiet and still and you listened to God. Maybe this wilderness that you find yourself in today is a place of pain and struggle. Maybe some of you are here today and you know what you'd say? You'd say, I'm at rock bottom. Rock bottom. I've done everything, tried everything, talked to everybody about it. Well, maybe it's time. Because there's only one way to look when you're at rock bottom, isn't there? Maybe it's time to look up. Maybe it's time to realize when there's no way out, when there's no hope, when, when there's no peace, when there's nothing that can be done humanly, it's time to trust God. Distractions disappear in the wilderness. God's there. And God speaks truth into your pain, into your sin, and your heartache. Bold messages emerge from personal experience. Every single one of us has a litany of personal experiences. Every single one of us uh, ha- ha- have spent time doing things that we like to talk about, right? There, there are some things in your life, places you've been, things you've seen, that, that if, if someone says testify, you'll testify, right? I've been to Rupp Arena a few times. Anybody been there? I've watched a lot of basketball there. And I can tell you that that's a fine place to be. I can tell you that miracles happen there. I can tell you that John Calipari, I can almost predict what he's going to do next. He stomps and he yells and he screams and he cusses. Kind of like some folks here I know. Now that I think about it, I, I can tell you all about Kentucky basketball. I've experienced that personally. I can tell you about Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse. I don't get to tell you about that often because it takes like a, a year's salary to go eat there, right? But when you go, and I'll go with any of you who are going, you let me know, save up, take your preacher, you cut into that steak, I mean, on the outside, it's kind of crusty with, you know, good stuff there, and then you dive into the middle and it's juicy. Oh, it just, you put it in your mouth, you don't have to chew, it just melts. It's good. Let's go. I got personal experience there. I've been to, on a cruise. I've been on a cruise. Yeah. I didn't want to get off the boat. Let's go again. Hide with the help. Do whatever. That's good stuff because you relax. The tropics, you know, you, you don't see the bad part, you see the good part. It's a good, good thing to be on a cruise. I've gone hang gliding. I have jumped off of Lookout Mountain in Tennessee with strapped to an apparatus and hang gliding. I got personal experience. I could see seven states and the face of God. 
Here's my advice to you from my personal experience. Don't do it. <laughs> Wear an adult diaper if you do. John, John, John had been with God. He'd known God for a long time. In fact, listen to this. You guys know the story. The angel came to Mary. Mary was a teenage virgin. Uh, the angel said, uh, Mary, uh, you're going to get pregnant with God's child. That's kind of an overwhelming message to get. Amen. About the same time, the angel also visited her much older cousin, Elizabeth. The Bible says she was really old. I'm not going to say how old because that would hit some of your age and you'd get mad at me. And uh, said to Elizabeth, you're also going to bear a child. Her husband, who was a priest, Zacharias. He said, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And God struck him mute. So Mary travels to visit Elizabeth. Here's what happened. She entered the house of of Zacharias and she greeted Elizabeth. It's in Luke chapter 1. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Who's the babe, by the way? So we're on the same page. John the Baptist, remember? Okay. And she spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me? The mother of my Lord should come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb. Good to be fat right, for this illustration. The babe leaped in my womb. I want you to think about that for a minute. Here's Mary, great with child, Jesus, the Son of God. She goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, great with child, the forerunner. And here's what happened. In Elizabeth's womb, when John the Baptist saw, heard, sensed Jesus in the womb of Mary come into the house, the Bible said that John the Baptist, listen to this word, in utero. You didn't know I knew that word, did you? In utero. John the Baptist began to leap and jump and scream and holler. It's Jesus. It's God. God is coming to our house. Let me out of here. Let me out. He's going crazy in the womb. Because that's how well he knows God. Before they were born, he knew God. And he got crazy as a fetus in the womb. Let me ask you this. How long have you known God? How blessed have you been by God? 
What would you have without God? How much grace has He poured out on you? How many times has He forgiven you when He shouldn't have? How stupid have you been? And how long has it been since you got crazy, since you got excited, since you let go and worshipped this God who's done all that for you? John the Baptist as a baby was going crazy because God was in the room. Now we come to this place, we're refined, we're classy, uh, subdued. I try to get you to say amen, you act like I pulled one of your molars. What's it going to take for you to just let go and say, God's here, and he's done everything for me, and I want people to know how much I love him. Yeah, that's worship. Don't be afraid to worship the one who's done everything for you. Don't be afraid to leap, to holler, to shout. Don't be afraid to go crazy. To be a little redneck because of what God's done in your life. John the Baptist never stopped experiencing Jesus either. Did you notice that? If you follow his life from the cradle, from in utero to the grave where he was beheaded for his faithfulness. If you follow his life, you'll see that what he stood for, what he preached, Repentance for the remission of sins. He never quit preaching it. Matter of fact, he stuck his finger in a king's face. A king named Herod and said, repent. He said, you're living with a woman who's not your wife. Repent. Herod kicked her out. She got mad. Later, she called for John the Baptist's head because he wouldn't water down his message. He never quit experiencing God. You see, here's what I think happens. Many of our lives, you come to Christ through salvation. You get baptized. You're born again. Say it however you want to say it. You start a life with Christ. You're a believer. But you quit experiencing him. Some of you are in a rut spiritually, aren't you? You've quit experiencing him. You've got the grace and the faith and you know you're going to heaven but you've quit living for him Jesus isn't just in this room looking for folks to make decisions he's in this room looking for disciples for people who will continue in the faith who will continue serving and loving and ministering seeking serving studying growing and some of you've quit You're not excited to be here. Worship doesn't phase you. You've been around church for so long, you've never seen, nothing nothing excites you anymore. And nothing excites you, you know what you do in church? You come to grumble. You look for something that's wrong because you don't feel anything that's right anymore. How long has it been since you reacted like 
John the Baptist did to Jesus. How long since you've really worshipped? Don't quit. Don't quit. Strong identity. John the Baptist had a strong identity. He knew he was. And it comes from knowing your role. You read about it in that passage. I've come to tell you about Jesus. I'm not worthy to even allow him or, or, or to take the sandals off his feet. And, and he was happy in that role. He didn't desire to be greater and higher. He didn't desire to be Jesus. He knew who he was. His role and our role is to point people to Jesus. You got faith. You were found by him so you could find others. So you could share what God had done for you. His role and our role is to lead people to Jesus. Now, some, some, some things are vitally important. Don't try to be somebody you're not. I, I would love it if Kent would ask me to be in this what do you call it, Bellevue Bottoms, Buffalo, something, I don't know, redneck band, right? But I can't play a guitar, I can't play a banjo, never wanted to now that I think about it, and I'll never be in that band, that's not my role, but I don't want to listen to any of those guys preach if I don't have to either. <laughs> don't assume a position you can't handle. I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to run for office. I don't want to live. I don't even want to go to the courthouse if I don't have to. I don't want to live in Frankfurt or Washington, D.C. I don't want people scrutinizing me making public policy. I'd be a bad politician. I don't want to be a doctor. I can't stand the sight of blood. Show me blood, I'll pass out. I don't want to be a driving instructor. That's not who I am. Don't aspire to a place that God hasn't prepared you for. But God has prepared every believer's heart to be a witness to him. And a great testimony, a great testimony flows from that place of faithfulness. I've heard some great testimonies over the years from, of folks who've been here and God blessed them and they got there and changed their lives. I've, I've heard testimonies of folks who, who, and this is to me probably even more special, somebody who will say, you know what, my mama brought me to Burlington Baptist Church when I was a baby. And I'm 93 and I still love this place like I did the first time I was here. I'm still excited about what God's doing here of folks who just kept the faith. I want you to listen to John the Baptist's testimony, not, not from his lips, but from the lips of God. Jesus had gathered his disciples around him, and here's what he said. 
It's in Luke chapter 7. He's talking about John. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I say to you, but he's more than a prophet. This is he of whom it's written. Behold, I'll send my messenger before your face. He will prepare your way before me. And listen to this. For I say to you, among those born of women, that's everybody, right? Anything new under the sun? Among those born of women. There's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Not a greater prophet. The greatest man who ever lived testified that John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived. Because he knew his message and his mission. He never backed off that message. Nothing could stop him from saying, repent, get right, stop living like you're living, be baptized. Nothing could stop him. He was faithful to the finish. You ever think about the day that you'll go to heaven? Maybe some of you need to be sure that day's coming, right? You ever think about that day? I've been thinking about that a lot lately. My, my mom is gravely ill. So when that kind of thing happens in your life, you think about heaven. Nurse told me the other day that, you know, it's not going to be very long. And started to do kind of what I'm doing now. Not able to talk much about it. Not able to think about it. But then it struck me that that news to my ears was tough. But my dad might have heard the same message up in heaven. And he got excited because his wife's headed home. So I got to thinking about what that day will look like for her. Now that's good thinking. You ever thought about what it will look like for you? Because what Jesus said about John just might be said of you. You might walk through the gates, get a glimpse of God, and from the throne, God might say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. From the beginning to the end, you were faithful. It didn't stop. It didn't stop. And you've come home. I like it when people brag on me, don't you? I mean, I don't want you to say you like it when people brag on me. I'm talking about you too, right? I want to communicate. Don't you like it when people compliment you? I can't wait to hear God say that. 
well done. See, that's what it's all about, guys. You know, we, we live for a lot of reasons. We, yeah, I told you I like basketball, and I didn't even mention Pebble Beach. I forgot about that. What a great golf course. Lots of great experience. We live to have fun. We live to share life and relationships with each other. We live for the kingdom of God. We live for the approval of God. There have been times in all of our lives where we realize God's not very happy with us. Maybe you're there now. I've been there. But God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness never runs dry. Because nobody's perfect. I want to hear well done. My good and faithful servant. That's what matters to me more than anything. And if it takes being a redneck, if it takes getting a little crazy from time to time, I want him to know how much I love him. And I'm not afraid to tell you, I'd be nothing So let me ask you one final question and I'll quit. What's it going to take for you today to move from a place in the wilderness to a pathway to lead you to God's throne? What do you need to get rid of? What do you need to repent of? Confess? Lay at God's feet. What burden needs to be lifted? Who do you need to tell how to make it to heaven with you? What's it going to take for God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. Do that today. Just do it. Whatever it is, don't leave here unsure. Be assured of your faith and your place in heaven. Father, thank you. Right now, right here, in this place, we, we can hear John loud, bold, screaming, echoing through this place, repent. Repent. We can hear your voice saying, I want to baptize you in my spirit. I want to change everything in your life. I want to flood your life with my presence. We, we know that you're in this room, Father. In our, in our heads, in our minds, I, in our spirits, we sent you. And we know you're calling us to you. 
We know that. The only missing part is our willingness. There are people in this room who need to know Jesus as Savior. There are people in this room who need to remember the day that they came to you and rekindle the joy of their faith and their salvation. There are people in this room bearing a burden of sin and just weighted down by their guilt and their shame, their baggage. I need to give that to you, Father. This invitation is your word spoken loudly and boldly to us. Give us the courage to accept what you're offering, to acknowledge that we're not who we should be, to walk in faith until the end. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. The altar's open. Guys, don't be hesitant to come. Don't be hesitant. Your faithfulness may cause another who desperately needs Jesus to follow. Come share in communion. Say thank you to the one who has given you life. But don't just stand there and ignore the spirit.